oh, we'll be able to see the person and and they'll look at our screen and we'll be able to advertise to them. We'll say, hey, Mitchell, you check out this cool model kit. And I'll say, very cool. And it'll say, Matt, this SIG won't explode, probably. <laughs> On this episode of Resi Week, Jason Knott joins DTools, Alarm.com adds AI video analytics, and managing stress. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 378 Creating Boundaries. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matthew Scott for AVNation.TV. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Katie McGregor-Bennett. She's the president of KMB Communications. How are you doing, Katie? I'm doing fabulous. Good to see you. It's May. Finally. It is May. That's right. <sighs> April was the longest month ever. That's why you get the big sigh. <laughs> it, it was it was annoyingly long. Uh, then we have Mitch Artulin. He is my producer here at AV Nation. He's filling in for Seth, who had to take care of his kids. Lame. Uh, hi, Mitchell. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, I am the resident Florida man today, even though I'm in St. Louis. So that doesn't. We should really still trash. make the Florida man jokes, though. I'll do it the best I yeah, can. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll yeah. do it for for Seth because. I always find some way to bring a Florida man thing into it. All right, let's kick it off with news that shook the AV world. No, um, but seriously, like this was this was really big news uh, in the industry. This came out late last week. Uh, a really good friend of the show, Mister Jason Knott, has joined D Tools uh, in their uh, data solutions team. He's going to handle. Uh, or or be under the title of data solutions architect and evangelist effective early July. Normally I'd say, if you don't know Jason, here's who Jason is. But if you're listening to this show, you know who Jason is. Uh, we love him. He's fantastic. Uh, and again, has been a great friend to not only myself, but to the industry, to this show, to literally everyone he talks to. Um, he is the quintessential guy in AV that, that we all know and love. Katie, I know that you obviously have a great connection with, with, with Jason, but also with DTools, uh, repping them, uh, through your company. What does this mean for, for, for DTools? Um, and, and obviously for Jason, but, but more so for the, the collaboration of the two. Yeah. So, I mean, this is new, this is really big news. And as funny as you came out, you're like, what ripples around the around the industry and that was sort of how, it did, how we kind of it, it i know and it was funny because it, it it was and as we uh you know we we rep details so we were working on the news a little bit a little bit in advance and you bit. know it's always really hard to kind of keep a lid on news like this when when, when you know it's just like just wait for it wait for it wait for it wait for it um but you know, I think the the deal is that this is bigger than just than just a new position within Dtools to um, be a data solutions architect. What what this really is is a story of evolution for Dtools. At at twenty five, they over the last five ten years have realized and have begun to find ways to leverage the huge amount of data that they have, and you know they've been able to provide 
insights and analytics to the industry on a number of things. But when you look at the work that CE Pro does and the deep dives and the CE Pro 100 analysis, the CI, you know, the top, whatever it is on their side, the CE Pro has been in the business of, of analyzing data for a number of years. And so you kind of look at this mm -hmm. now as Jason has been the guy that's been behind this and he is really passionate about this. He is, he's a numbers guy. And that's, it's interesting if you think about that for a second is he's really a numbers guy, but he's also a a words guy. He's an editor, <laughs> you know, yeah. and that honestly, I mean, the, those two typically don't sit as a strength within the same, within the same person. Um, so he's, he's a bit of a unicorn in, in that regard. But I think, you know, if you listen to the way that Tim and Jason talk about it and Randy Stearns as well is it, there's such a need for data now to be, um, to be utilized and processed more quickly and for the industry at large to have more ready access to it so that we can make better decisions on the fly um, based on fact and not based on assumptions. And so I think, you know, it's, it's a, it's a story about DTools evolution, but it also is a maturing of our industry. And it was kind of a long-winded way of getting there, but really this is, this is a the perfect illustration of that. Our industry is finally getting there. So now, as you look at the work that's, that they're going to do together, I see that we're potentially going to have the opportunity to show the outside world how big of an industry and how big of a business we really are, um, as opposed to the the reference to the pieces of the pie that we typically, you know, I'd like to see like the whole pie, and not just yeah. our little piece yeah. of it, right? So, you know, we'll, we'll get there by being able to provide more more insights and analysis to the outside world that that looks at us in, as an industry and says, yeah, you know, this is this is much bigger than we've been giving credit to. So, you know, I think that's that's really the big the big story. Jason moving over, and you know, he is an awesome dude. If you heard me talking, I did a podcast with them last week it, jason was the guy that really gave me the confidence to do what i do now in communications um mm -hmm. and i think you guys have heard me say something in the past is I'll, I'll pass it on jason was the one that i've always referred to that said content is ready when it's right it is never ready when it's rushed and i have applied that to almost every layer of my career since he taught me that like 15 plus years ago right when he first came in and we met and it was just one of those things where it's like you know <laughs> he's got a lot more to share than just yeah. what you may have read from his words from the editor seat. And as he moves into this, the details role, I think it'll be really interesting to see where, you know, sort of what gets lifted and lifted out of that pool of data and where, you know, what we're all able to do with it. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see. Yeah. Um, Mitchell, you, you obviously deal with Jason on the, on the kind of the back end from, from a scheduling and, and a story standpoint um, in, in prepping for this show. But one of the, kind of interesting side parts of this is CE Pro was the last really standing news entity that kind of had a quote unquote founder still heavily involved. When when Julie kind of retired, Jason, he had been there as long as the majority of us ever remember. Um, so obviously now that, that Arlen's getting promoted, that's fantastic, but it is kind of an end of an era for CE Pro. Even even though you know they're not solely um, kind of owned by founders anymore, they're they're owned by Emerald. But what does this mean for for CE Pro going forward? That is an interesting uh, question, and actually one that I was kind of lining up on in a different tangent because when I was thinking of this article, I was like, "What do I say? Jason is cool. How do I say this without sounding like he's dead?" That's the thing I was most worried about. <laughs> it always that happens. That is a challenge. <laughs> He's not dead Jason yet. was such a cool guy. No, wait, no, wait, he is. He's still, yes, Jason is, he's got crazy insight into stuff and knows, you know, what he's talking about. He's been a regular for our show for years. I don't think by the time that I was here editing uh, and even managing Resi Week, I never actually got to talk with jo uh, Julie. Mm -hmm. 
so it's mostly just Jason. Um, but he always has, you know, no matter what you throw at him, he always has something to say about it and something that's insightful. Yeah. So I always like that he is he's passionate about this. And my my tangent that I was going off is that um, in a different vertical, um, the games journalism place, a a site called Waypoint, part of uh, Vice News, is shutting down soon. I believe they're uh, ending in June. And so when I thought that games journalism is a different space, it's very personality driven, it's very social media driven. Um, and right now I would say it's in a weird space of, of not uncertainty and certainly places like that. And that's another, that, that's an entirely different can of worms because Vice is doing its own thing. Yeah. But I, and I don't want to see this as Jason jumping ship. I think CE Pro is going fine. I, I was always, I'm just, when I was looking at it thinking, I do wonder where um, journalism and AV and that kind of situation is headed uh, down. And to be honest, I'm not sure I haven't, I have a full answer. Um, I think we are kind of seeing a personality driven thing with this. And I mean, it, the AV industry is made up of people. Yeah. We have we like to talk about our products, but there are still people and teams behind things, um, and that is what I think is going to be um, ultimately what will uh, push us forward. Because um, sometimes you get those stories about here's a box, and you go, "Wow, I love those stories. Great, they're my favorite. <laughs> they're the ones I want to talk about the most. <laughs> I'll pick them up more. Perfect, thank you. But yeah, no, it is it it, it is. The, the whole industry is built up on personalities and it, I, I don't want to say it always will be, but I, I think for the most part it will um, just because boxes are boxes. That's what it is. So congratulations to Jason and D tools as well as to Arlen and to CE pro. It's hard to sell a box exactly. without someone mm -hmm. telling you why it's important. Yeah, you need that personality. Yeah. When I was looking at what, first off, I don't know what a data solutions architect and evangelist is uh to be honest i feel like that was being raised nazarene i should probably know more about what an evangelist evangelist <laughs> actually means Just a little bit i think when i remember seeing d tools at and they show off system integrator um they showed off their cloud stuff uh at shows and i would edit those stuff i'd say wow it's really cool but uh, uh? <laughs> if i'm not outside of you know, outside of an integrator, if I was an integrator saying, wow, this can really streamline my project, I can look at stuff and know what to do and, and how manage all this stuff. So maybe having someone like Jason to say, here's why it's cool. Here's what you can do mm -hmm. with it. And like uh, Katie said, here's the, the knowledge we have already to show you. Here's what can work. And that um, so I think they made a great choice. When I think both of you hit on really kind of the one of the key points that we continually overlook is in the maturation of our industry, it will become data-driven. Because if you go and talk to any other large industry or company, they have data points on everything. We deal with um, a couple franchise owners of one of the quick serve sandwich shops. And it doesn't matter which owner you talk to, they know how many pickles they push through every month. They can drill down and get all of that data so that they know that, you know, store A in this part of town does really good business these hours 
and these products. Store B in a different part of town has a completely different hourly, you know, rate, not rate, but um, busyness. They're, they're busy at different times. They sell the same menu, but different products in that menu sell all the time to the point of uh, my wife and I were in Toronto this past week um, going to see Hamilton and, and just hanging out and doing some stuff. And we went into two different stores in two different like mall ish things, same brand, same stores, two completely different product sets. They had some of some, you know, staples that were the same, but completely different product hmm. because they're in two different areas of Toronto that serve two completely different markets. And if, when we started talking to one of the managers, they were able to tell us why. And AV is not, not yet there, but we're really, really close. All right, let's change topics for a second. Uh, if I can find my mouse, which has disappeared on one of my three screens. All right, there we go. Uh, this comes to us from CE Pro as well. Alarm.com acquires the AI video analytics firm Vintra. Uh, they've acquired substantially all of those assets um, for specifically the com the commercial market, uh, which is going to help them advance and accelerate their deployment uh, for their OpenAI platform and their Alarm.com platform from a video analytics side. Mitch, let me let me start with you on this one. Um, not that I get concerned when I see video analytics and AI put together, but AI gives me pause with literally any time it's mentioned uh, for two reasons. One, typically they really mean machine learning and I get nitpicky on that one. Uh, but two, <laughs> there's always a lot of privacy concerns when you start talking analytics and AI or machine learning, which is really what it is. Um, should we be concerned as these major platforms continue to quickly adopt analytics? I, I, don't, I don't know. This is, to me, it's not new necessarily. I mean, for a while, digital signage people have been talking about, and granted, I think most of it's theoretical, but always like, oh, we'll be able to see the person and, and they'll look at our screen and we'll be able to advertise to them. We'll say, hey, Mitchell, you check out this cool model kit and i'll say very cool and it'll say matt this sig won't explode probably <laughs> it's a sig it won't explode and and so i kind of just see that just evolving um the opposite way where it's not looking at the person and wanting to advertise it's just saying here's the guy um and you know we've had face recognition stuff i i think ai has just kind of become a, a buzzword it's always has been but it's been but it's now just more of a you know we have AI. AI is here all the, uh, it's been here. Machine learning as you, as yeah, you, would thank you. Be thing. But you know, <laughs> we've got stuff to, we have stuff that like, it'll focus on the speaker when it's talking, it'll see someone who's wearing a mask and know that that is a face. It's just that stuff being applied to there. It does feel sketchy in a privacy way. Um, and I don't know exactly how to, uh, assuage those fears, except to say that, you don't have to use it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a tough one. Katie, I, I'm really glad Mitch brought up the the privacy side because that's always the, the biggest one for me. And what always gives me pause is if someone buys 
Like if one of my customers buys an Alexa online or any voice assistant or any smart camera, it, literally anything that's connected and monitors anything, no one is telling, they're, they're signing a release, yes, but no one is telling them from the, the seller to the manufacturer what this does, where their data is going, who's going to have access to it. And yet within our industry, we go to keynotes and listen to lots of very smart people who continually tell us, you got to get your clients to sign off. I'm one of those people. You got to get, you know, some legalese protecting yourself, but also to, to explain to the client what they're getting into. What is our, what is our responsibility to explain the privacy issues that may arise from any products like this to customers when literally no one else is doing that yet we seem to feel the need to handhold them through this yeah i mean you, yeah you when you when you put it that way um i you're right and it is it's interesting how frequently you could end a question with that point and why are they the only ones that are doing this <laughs> That's true. right i mean let, rmr remember that we were the only ones that yep. were not charging for service i think did we get on the other side of that finally um nope but nope <laughs> wishful thinking katie um no but i i think that it, it part of it is because we're whether we are the only ones as an industry or not we are some of the closest individuals to the heart of the home um, the heart of the home, the heartbeat of the home, the financial, the data of the home, uh, and the personal information that is connected to the home. I, you know, I think it could definitely be argued that other service providers certainly have access, but I think I would argue that it's probably us and somebody else responsible for internet and maybe, maybe some sort of streaming services that might have as much information typically as an integrator will have. So my, my, my take on it is, is that we probably just, we have a bit of a hyper focus on it because there are so many touch points across the home and, and those that occupy the home um, and where we have personal information, not necessarily completely more than any other group, but it, you know, I just get a sense that we're just a little bit more hyper-focused on it. Okay. So now back to the other point, which is, is it scary or not? Um, I think at this point, you know, I think we're all sort of experiencing a different level of fear with regard to this topic of AI or machine learning. I think that AI has become the, the, the term de jour that is becoming acceptable because machine learning, like, what is that, right? You know, like, we, you know, we've been watching movies for decades about AI and have movies with AI in the name of them. No movie has been ever released, I think, that says machine learning in it. Um, I kind of say that jokingly, but I suspect <laughs> that it's rather just the phrase that's winning, not necessarily the, the truth of the technology behind it. Um, and AI is scary to a lot of to a lot of people. You know, I think we're so for those of us in the industry, we're used to just sort of giving it up and you know giving up so much of our our personal information, um, and feeling pretty confident that we know at least how to secure it or at least how much to release into the wild before we start to get nervous. Um, but it's when we're talking about video and video analytics and and machine learning behind it without human interaction, that you know that does get concerning. I just feel as though we're at a stage where we've kind of crossed that line at this point where there's no going back. Um, there really is no going back. And I think just, you know, it comes down to the consumer to decide how, mu how much you're willing to expose. It's going to sound weird. How much you're willing to expose yourself. I did not mean it that way. Um, but you, you, how and much you, you I know it. because I'm on your show. <laughs> <laughs> I 
So Mitch, Thank you can you. either trim that out or not. It's up to you. Thumbnail options. But you know, I think that that's that's the thing. You know, is it's just how much are you willing to to put out there for the benefit of technology that you enjoy and appreciate on a daily basis? And this to me is just one more of those one more of those layers. Yeah. Why is our industry the one that's left holding the bag of explaining it to people? I don't know, but I'm kind of glad that we're here. You know what I mean? Like without another layer of precaution, things might kind of be speeding up a little bit faster than even all of us are more comfortable with. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing. This news in and of itself doesn't freak me out. There's a bunch of bigger things that freak me out. Um, you know, Let's just, explore that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> on the next episode. That's a of. whole. Other, yeah, that's a whole other show. Yeah, don't. I think what I'm getting is read your eulas. Yeah, I know, and I'm guilty. <laughs> I know every time I yeah. see something that says that, I'm just like, mm, mm. especially the ones that force you to go to the bottom. I'm like, great. Now I get to scroll, <laughs> scroll, baby, scroll. All right, let's uh, let's hit our last story of the day. This comes to us from a residential systems and a good friend of the show, Mr. Henry Clifford. Uh, managing stress, uh, Henry goes through this article, which is great. Like, you know, pretty much everything he writes about how the last little bit has been a little stressful for him. Uh, he mentions that his company didn't necessarily hit their sales goals for Q1, which I'm glad someone finally put in print. Um, yeah, take that, read that one into that as much as you want. Uh, but he goes through a couple of things that he does to try and eliminate stress as far as exercise, adrenaline, uh, talking, and finding a, a little moment of bliss. So Katie, let me, let me start with you on this one. Um, I don't know in my circle of just literally people I know, I don't think there is a more stressful group of people than small business owners. I've got I, I, like, I, I know some people that run massive corporations and they're stressed, but not like small business owners. And I am a hundred percent speaking for myself, likely speaking for you, yep. <laughs> likely speaking for every single one of my customers and friends who own a small business. We as a whole are so stinking stressed. What do we do? not just as an AV industry, but what do we do as small business owners to, to, to manage that, not even minimize it necessarily, but is there anything we can, we can do to manage that? Boundaries. Hey, that's, it, what is that? yeah. So <laughs> I've never heard that, that word before. B-O-U. <laughs> Boundaries. Nope. Nope. Um, no recall. You know, I mean, it, so, so I, I speak confidently as though I've got these heavily installed in my world and I don't, um, I do in some areas, but I don't, I, you know, I think boundaries is uh, creating acceptable boundaries for yourself personally, for your family and for your business, I think needs to become more of a routine way of thinking because, and, and boundaries can change. Um, mm -hmm. There is nobody in my circle right now, personally or professionally that I have not spoken to in the last, let's just say the last month. There is not a single person that is not redlining is not at, at an all time level of overwhelmed, underappreciated, not sure what tomorrow's going to bring, kind of terrified about lifting my head from the pillow the next day. <laughs> I just wish I could pull the sheets over my head and never emerge there. And whether people are talking about it or not, it it is real. And I think part of it is coming back from the pandemic and feeling as though, you know, now we have to make up for 
three years of lost time. And now we've got all this other crap that's going on in the world and with the economy and so much uncertainty that it really has most of us upside down. If you're a small business owner, it's it, that is your livelihood, um, more so than being a, a, a manager of somebody else's business or being a participant in the leadership level of somebody mm-hmm. else's business. You know, it's at the end of the day, you're probably not worrying about HR or payroll um, when you're working for somebody else's company and you're pretty confident that those things are set for us. It's it's an everyday it's an everyday concern. And, you know, by for us as, as small business owners, and I think that it's just the only way to start to get take the power back, remember that song, um, is, is to create these boundaries, right? And so how much of your personal time are you willing to give up to manage your business in your off hours, right? So the things that overflow from Friday into potentially a Saturday, Sunday, how willing are you to give up Saturday and Sunday on the personal side to get a little bit ahead of that, right? Set those boundaries early so that you know, I'm willing to give up, let's just say I personally am willing to give up half or maybe two thirds of my Saturday. You're not touching my Sunday. I need that buffer between the end of the work week and the beginning of the next. And it's Saturday is not the day because if I start my work week on Sunday for you, now you're making next week even longer for me. And you're probably going to have a pretty harsh Katie by Wednesday. So, so my boundaries are (laughs) if I overflow on Friday, I determine what I'm willing to give up on Saturday. And there is an, there is an impermeable wall around Sunday for no other reason than I need that. I need that buffer, right? It's not, it is, has no other reason boundaries about the time, right? So you and I, we were, we were wrapping a little bit before we started recording about all these platforms, right? So is it, is it Basecamp? Is it Slack? Is it, <laughs> you know, and, and there's so much stimuli for our, our input of data and information and, and funny jokes and quotes and commentary and the hottest story of the day. We can be, be getting hit from 20 different dings and alerts and platforms every day. Okay. So set a boundary around that. Set a boundary, right? Turn off your notifications after 6 p.m. I don't really think any news that hits Twitter in the AV industry after, let's just say, you should be eating dinner or spending time with your loved ones. Do you really need those notifications hitting you? 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 a.m.? No, that should be you time. Set those boundaries. If you like to work during those times, cool, that's fine. That's your boundary, right? But so just start taking a look at the things that are driving you absolutely batty. And, and those things that you control, start putting boundaries on them and adjust as necessary. But I think that that's the thing that I've noticed is people are not managing or, or creating boundaries or, man, or managing them. You know, sure, I could. Yes, fine. I'll meet at 6 yeah. p.m. Sure, fine. I'll meet at 6 a.m. Sure, fine. <laughs> you know, like as in, no, I can't because I'm not going to be the best me at that hour. But you can have any of these other days and these times and then really standing by that. And I think that that's the more that we can kind of hold steady on those things we'll get a little bit of sanity back but it's tough man it's really tough yeah that's true all right mitch what is your best practice for dealing with the stress of having to work with me (laughs) there is no cure (laughs) for that there's no no boundaries how much and we're out of time (laughs) it is it is to i agree with everything that katie said um and then some, cause like boundaries is hard part of the one, the big thing. I think I had to set them a while ago um, just to be like, okay, six o'clock. That is, you know, you can ding me on, on teams. I'm not going to get it. And if it's not, if something isn't on fire, then I will get to you at like nine at the earliest. Um, cause yeah. otherwise what's the, like, especially I, I work remote. Um, I work from home 
and just editing. We have an office in St. Louis, but it is an hour's drive away and through Missouri drivers. So I don't take that option. Um, but there is a, it is a hard thing to separate that um, from, from work. It's very nice when you can say, here's my work stuff and go home and, and do that. But I can't necessarily do that. I can walk out of this room and go to another one. But what you do need is that disconnect. You need to be able to just say, okay, I'm done here. I've done my stuff and I can set it aside for now. Um, and so that is, mo I, I agree with that um, 100%. Um, for the most part, I find something to do. <laughs> I just honestly, <laughs> like I, I build these dumb little model kits. You might see them in the background occasionally. Um, and I find them very exciting because you can cut them and then you get a little robot at the end. What's not to love about that? Find something that you like to do. Don't make it too much of an addiction. I say that as much as I've spent way too much to think about on, on said model kits. Um, you know, and if you could find people that like to do that, um, talk to them. Otherwise I don't, you know, it is hard to be, we, you know, we were talking about Jason, not now cool of a guy he is in the AV industry, but he's also a very dedicated father. He's, he yeah. loves that his kids, they play lacrosse, they play hockey and stuff. He is more than just that AV guy. Um, and sometimes we turn into just that person. Like it, our job becomes our identity and, and that I think can really kill, kill someone, honestly, just like yeah. their, their entirety. So learn out, find out what you are. And then, you know, if you like your job, if you're a, if you're a weirdo workaholic, then fine. That's, you know, that's your thing. But, um, if you are feeling burnt out, find a way to disconnect, not like disassociate, but, you know, get out of that and, and get something unplugged from the matrix once or twice um our our good friend bradford ben when uh he was doing a show for a, uh, a little bit and he started every show with you know tell tell us who you are without telling us what you do right and when he asked me that it was like well that's a hard one <laughs> you didn't want to prep me for that thanks I thought we were friends. All right, let's wrap it up there. Thank you both so much for joining us. Mitch, if people want to connect with you, learn more about uh, Aviation or anything else that you're doing, where can they find that? Oh, I'm going to go the Tim Albright way and say, don't find me. Um, instead, go to aviation.tv. Um, take a look at all of our underwriters that make our shows like this happen. Um, and in also, you know, um, if you want to, if you think you can how do i say this if you think you can do a better job than me i'd really like to see you try please contact me um and my email if you want to be a guest for say resi week or av week or any of our many shows we're always looking for new voices we're always looking for new people to uh say what they are and if you're in the industry and you have something to say then we're happy to let you uh talk about it um so check us out aviation.tv Excellent. Thank you, my friend. Katie, if people want to connect with you, learn more about KMB Communications, where can they do that? Mm, all over the sphere. So you'll find KMB Communications, KMB Com, all around the sphere. When you look for us, we are the ones with the mountain logo um, or Katie McGregor Bennett or Katie McGregor, depending on which platform you're on. Seek and you shall find. Excellent. 
There you go. All right. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. 